Hey everyone, this is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and this is our weekly podcast. Hope it encourages you. Hope it makes you want to be closer to Jesus and more like him. Hope you enjoy this sermon. And if you want to know more about us, find us online at woodburnbaptist.org. Good morning, everybody. Everybody good? Good to see you all. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. And uh, my, my privilege to stand before you today. Listen, we have a former pastor of Woodburn right here in the house. Scott Kilgore was pastor of Woodburn before I was. And it is an honor to stand in the place where you once stood. Scott, will you stand up and let us honor you today, man? So glad to see you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much for the way you led this church, and I love this church, and good to see you back. Uh, Atlanta, you as well. Good to see you all. Thank you all for sacrificing for the sake of our church. Um, I laid these out. I called your attention to them a couple of weeks ago, the little opportunities to serve booklet. Uh, It's been in the hallway as you've been coming and going, but today I don't want you to pass them without picking them up, okay? Pick this up today. I want you to look at it. I want us to talk about all the ways in which uh, you might serve here in your church, opportunities to serve uh, I get excited when I look at it, first of all, just to wrap my head around all of the different ways in which people serve the Lord here at Woodburn every single week. Uh, I, I love that. But also the ways in which uh, we still need people to step in, and, uh, and this means you. Gosh, everything here is, is just something wonderful. Uh, the last item on the back is homebound ministry. I'm just looking at that. Uh, my goodness, before COVID, our church had a very, very active and effective homebound ministry, but COVID shut all of that down. But COVID's, you know, not an issue now. We need to get back to visiting the folks in our community who can't get out of the house. Y'all. That's what homebound means. They need visits and they're lonely. Some of them have not had a lot of visits now since the year 2020. Um, that's not good. And as long as we are here and Jesus has called us, y'all, we got to make sure we take care of the homebound in our own community. So that's a place to plug in right now. Above that one, Hopkins Ministry. Hopkins Nursing Home is like right over there, opposite corner of the little town of Woodburn. Uh, first and third Sunday of every month at 9.30 hour, we send groups over to lead worship there. We need people who will speak, who will sing, make worship happen. But it doesn't, we need people who will just go and push wheelchairs out of rooms to the hallway where church is. Uh, gosh, two weeks ago, Steve Leach went to Hopkins Nursing Home during the week and refilled all of the bird feeders around Hopkins Nursing Home. Now understand, there's a bird feeder outside every single window because people in the nursing home, many of them are lying in bed, and that window's all they see, and so the bird feeders are out there so they have something to look at. But y'all know how bird feeders work? You got to have bird seed in the bird feeders. And Steve, thank you, man. That's doing, I know that seems like a small thing, but that's doing the Lord's work. Can you imagine being a person in the nursing home who, who only has one view and that's outside one window and there's an empty bird feeder there for two years, you know? Uh, that's good work. And Steve, I love you for that. That's just the, uh, um, one of the amazing ways that, that you can serve. We have so many needs in student ministry and children's ministry. Uh, you all know, that everybody, uh, the majority of people who ever come to know Jesus do so before the age of 17. 
So let that sink in. If I ask for a show of hands right now, how, how many of you came to know the Lord under the age of 17? It would be most of this room. It would be nearly all of us. Most everybody that comes to know the Lord does so before the age of 17. And that's why it is so important that we pour everything into children's ministry and student ministry. And, and we need help there. You'll notice the needs all listed everywhere throughout the book. But on this little sheet here, this is like, you know, uh, let's set ourselves on fire. This is really, really important right here. These are the urgent needs right now. In, in other words, every place you see a number or a blank here, this is something that didn't happen today because no one was there to do it. And that's quite a lot of, of, of needs there. You know, one of these is just student buddy. Uh, we just need one, but we have special needs kids in our church and, and all they, they, they have teachers, they have people who teach them, we have people who do everything else for them, but there's some kids who just need somebody who would walk through the Sunday morning and hold their hand, you know, and just be with them. Um, couldn't you do that? I mean, you know what I mean? That's just an easy thing, but it's an important thing. Uh, so I just want you to take the booklet with you today. I want you to look through it. If you haven't really found a place to plug in, and I know most of you, your heart is to serve, uh, th this will at least give you some ideas of places to start. And it's not exhaustive. As soon as we stapled it, I thought of three more things, you know, that we should have put in the book. And that's the truth. And then you're going to read it and think, well, they didn't even say anything about this. And of, of course, of course, there's just no end to the ways in which we can serve the Lord because there's no end to the different ways in which God has gifted us. So I want you to take a look at it. If you feel like you're plugged in and you have your place to serve and you don't need another job around here, I, I get that. But will you pray? You just pray that God will raise up workers so that we can do the work of God together. Um, now open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and let's talk about why. Let's talk about why we serve the Lord. I've been hearing a whole lot lately. Uh, I, I like leadership in general as a topic. I, I read a lot of leadership material, Christian leadership, but also just marketplace leadership. I, I love those conversations. And I'm hearing a lot these days, post-COVID, about a phenomenon in the workplace that they're simply calling quiet quitting. Have y'all run across that? Have you heard about that? Quiet quitting. It's a new thing. Some of y'all invented that while y'all were all locked up in the house during COVID. Quiet quitting is uh, a term that describes the way some people have chosen to come back to work. Now, we were all shut out for a long time, and some of us got really, really used to not wearing pants in, in our life, you know, because we were home all day, you know, just eating cookies out of the jar, and then you have to go back to work, and that really wasn't something that a lot of people were excited about. So, honestly, quiet quitting describes the way in which a lot of people have come back to work by not really getting back to work, you know what I mean? Like, they have, they're driving their car to the office every day, they're driving their car you know, to the factory, but they're not really working. They're just doing the bare minimum. They call it quiet quitting. In other words, you don't really quit, quit, but you quit in all of the ways that actually would, would, would mean something. Now, for the life of me, I don't understand why nobody would just want to waste their life like that. Why, if, if you've got a reason to get out of bed and go do something, you should do it with all your heart. That's what Scripture says. But quiet quitting kind of describes our culture right now. If you've walked in any restaurant and wondered why nobody's, you know, busting tables, why nobody's, you know, really getting after it, it's, it's quiet quitting. It's something of an epidemic. And... I'm wondering if quiet quitting hasn't also affected churches. 
the, the truth is across the country, and I'm not just talking about our church. In some ways, our church, I, I would say, is in a better place than many others. But across the country of the last two years, congregation members have come back to church, but they haven't come back to serve. No, as, as I'm being honest with you, we're seeing that. Our attendance is where it was before COVID. It's, it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's exciting. But the list of folks who are willing to work with children is, is, has not come back. So a lot of folks in our church, but again, across churches everywhere, it's something of an epidemic. It's almost like people have quiet quit the church, you know? Now, the reason why that doesn't work, it's not just because, you know, we got babies with poopy diapers back there that that, that need help. That that is true. But understand, doing your personal share of Christ's work is essential to being his follower. Jesus, it says, went about doing good when he was on earth, which means Jesus had a mission, Jesus had a purpose, and Jesus did the work of the Father. He, He did it. And honestly, even though he's gone back to the Father and sent us the Holy Spirit, his work continues, and his work continues through us. There is no way for you to call yourself a follower of Jesus if you're not doing the work of Jesus, because Jesus is always at work. You understand? And there's no way for you to call yourself a a disciple, a learner of Jesus, if you're not learning how to use your gifts, learning what Jesus has put inside you, and learning what he wants you to do with this life that he's given you, this, this one life. You can't grow when you're not serving. Growth, of course, is important. You're, I'm talking about your own spiritual growth here. I'm not talking about growing as a church. I'm talking about you growing more like Christ, growing deeper in your faith. I mean, th- that's our goal, right? And serving is a part of that. Bible reading is important. You should be in your word, and I trust that you are. But even the Bible itself says you can't be a, a, just a hearer, a reader of the word. You have to be a doer. And this congregation has always been a congregation of doers, calling you back to doing your faith. Prayer is important. Prayer matters. But prayer is not just, you know, reciting, you know, your needs and wants to the Lord. Prayer is listening for God's voice. And when you listen, God's going to command you and God's going to give you work to do. And I'm just saying, doing your personal share of Christ's work is essential to being his follower. You can't grow if you don't serve. Does that make sense? So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's talk about how this works for us together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read this whole chapter. I tried to talk myself out of it, but uh, I can't find a place that has something that we don't need to hear today. So how about I put all the energy I've got into reading it, and you put all the energy you've got into listening? How's that? And I think this chapter is going to speak to us today. I think you've heard some of it before, but I invite you to listen like you've never heard it before. Let God speak. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Y'all there? Let's do it. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. All right, right there. Paul uh, begins this section. He's writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and obviously they have probably written him a letter, and they've asked him a question. They've asked him a question about what? Spiritual gifts, yeah. And so Paul says, okay, about, about the question you're asking about spiritual gifts, I, you, I, I don't want you ignorant. I, I don't want you to misunderstand this. So if it was important that the church of Corinth not be ignorant or not misunderstand spiritual gifts, then it is important that the church at Woodburn 
Not be ignorant or not misunderstand spiritual gifts. So here we go. Verse 2. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Won't you just go ahead and underline that verse right there? Because later somebody's going to say, Pastor Tim, I don't even know what a spiritual gift is. I don't even know what, I don't know what spiritual gifts are. Right there, verse 7, there's your definition. And that's not even complicated. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is given to some of us. To the paid staff? No, no. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, all of us, you, okay? So we can help each other. That's it. No more complicated than that. It's not weird. It's helping each other. God has put something in you. God has hidden something in you that I need. God's hidden something in the person next to you that, that you need. This is the way that we're joined together. The body of Christ is joined together by gifts, because my needs are matched by your gifts, you understand? And that's how it works for all of us. Your needs are matched by the gifts of somebody else. God hides it in somebody else, and then you have to go find it. And that's what the body of Christ is about, and I love it. I, I love that. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in tongues while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It's it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into the one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, <laughs> it doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, <laughs> would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yeah, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. 
So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in tongues. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in tongues? Do we all have the ability to interpret tongues? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Okay, Paul doesn't even stop there, but I got to stop. But he goes into chapter 13, which is all about what? Love. He goes from gifts to love. Let me show you something better than everything else. And the thing better than everything else is love. Okay, we're talking about working together. If, if you're around church or if you've been around church for long, you probably realize that there's some things that seem obvious about us and some things that are less obvious. So let me point a few of those out. First off, it's obvious that we're not what we were. Now, I knew some of you as you were, and I think it's obvious that we're not what we were. This is the amazing difference that Jesus makes. When a person comes to Christ, there's a new creation, and we are all new creations. We are not what we used to be. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. We're not what we used to be. Some of you were addicts. Some of you were addicts. Some of you were potheads. Some of you could not possibly you know, get into a marriage and make it last. You had no ability to love somebody, you know, and you struggled and struggled, but that's not who you are anymore. And don't you just love that? Some of us lived for money. Some of us lived only for ourselves. Some of us were so lost, so angry, so lonely. And I'm telling you, that's what we were, but that's not what we are now. It's obvious that we're not what we were. What's not obvious is what we are now. See, Paul looks at a church like Corinth or a church like Ephesus, and he calls them all saints. You're the saints. <laughs> I'm sure if we actually knew those people, other words would come to mind, probably before the word saint. But this is the amazing thing about the gospel. It's obvious that we're not what we were. It's less obvious what we are now. Y'all, we're saints now. We are holy people now, we don't have it all together, but I'm telling you, our lives are in the hands of the one who does hold it all together. Our lives are in the hands of the God who is making everything new, including us, and he's not finished with us yet. So it's obvious that we're not what we were. It's not so obvious what we are now, but what we're getting there. It's obvious that we're all different. Now, some of you are more different than others, just saying, but we're all different. And we live in a culture that is losing the ability to know what to do with difference. Like, you know how it is these days. If, if, if you don't agree with somebody, man, they have no place for you in their life. If you don't share everything, if you don't share politics, if you don't share views, if, if, if you don't agree, if you cross, I mean, if, if it's difficult to be in relationship, then in our culture, relationships aren't worth it. They will cut you out. 
But we're not of the world. That's not how we are. We're the people of God. We're united in Christ. So understand, it's obvious that we're all different. What's not obvious is how we're connected and related. Now we are. You look around this room, and this is your church, you all. We're all connected. Paul says if one part suffers, we're all going to suffer. If one of you's in pain, we're all going to feel the pain. Do you understand the reality of that? That's not just poetic. That's spiritual reality. We're joined like a body, like one body, parts of a body. That's not obvious, but it's the truest thing I know how to tell you. We are one. Now, the world doesn't do unity. The world can't deal with unity and difference at the same time, but we're not the world. We're not the world. And the whole key to our serving the Lord and being united in Christ has nothing to do with all of us, you know, becoming the same. We're all becoming like Christ, but you don't have to become like me in order to be more like Jesus. I mean, do you understand? He's going to do his work in you. He's going to do his work in me, and he's going to bless us, and he's going to use us despite all of our differences, and it's going to be amazing. Because we're connected and and related. Now, it's obvious that some of us have talent. Man, just look around this room. Some of y'all got talent. Man, this platform today, worship was amazing. My throat is so raw, and it's not from preaching three times. It's from singing my guts out like an idiot. I mean, you know, like like I could not, you know, try to sing so much, but man, I, I just want to be a part of this worship. I mean, it's amazing talent up here. Carlos on that piano, he jars down on that. Did y'all see him? I mean, I felt like I could feel wind coming off his fingers. You know, boom, man, it was so cool. I wish I could do that. I do not have that, that talent. Eva on the violin, that was beautiful. God bless her. That was beautiful. Jackie on her flute. I mean, all of that is just so beautiful. People with talents of, of all kinds. You know, in between the services, one of our guys, Brad Hall, was up in the ceiling. I don't know what he's doing up there. He's doing ceiling stuff. Like, like up in there. Like it's something our, our trustees are, are amazing men. Like they, they fix stuff, they know they fix stuff that's broke before you and I know it's even broke. It could have fell on our heads, y'all. But Brad Hall is up there. So I mean, I didn't know it till he came down. He could have been up there all week for all I know, I and mean, he just came. <laughs> Uh, down the stairs. But man, I just love people with that kind of just talent. Man, we got guys who can go in their shop and they can spend 20 minutes and come out with you a dining room table. Man, I, I love all of that. We got women who can just, I've seen Marie Smalling go in our church kitchen and y'all, there's nothing, if, if you're thinking, I'm going to go back to the church kitchen and get a snack, there's nothing back there to eat ever unless it's like a potluck. We have ketchup in the fridge. I think every church comes with ketchup. There's always ketchup in a church fridge, but that's it. Like, there's just ketchup. I've seen Marie Smalling, like, we had a church dinner and we didn't have enough food. I've seen Marie Smalling go back in that kitchen. There's nothing in there but ketchup, and she came out with biscuits and gravy. That's a true story. That's a, she walked in there, nothing in there but ketchup, and came out with biscuits and gravy. It must be what Paul says, people who work miracles. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I have seen that. I have seen, I mean, it's just talent, y'all. She just knows how to cook and knows how to improvise. Man, if I went into the kitchen full of ketchup, guess what we'd have? Ketchup. Hope you like it. Yeah. Some of us have talent. What's less obvious is that each of us has a gift. And understand, gifts and talents aren't always the same thing. As a matter of fact, sometimes you wouldn't even put them in the same category. 
You wouldn't necessarily say that a spiritual gift is the same thing as a talent because sometimes what God's put in you that he's going to use in order to do his work in the world, it's never going to land you on American Idol. It won't even get you on Woodburn's Got Talent. I mean, I'm just telling you, sometimes what God chooses to use in us is not something impressive. It may be the smallest thing in the world, but God can take the smallest thing in the world and make the biggest difference in the world because that's what he does. It's obvious some of us got talents, less obvious that each of us has a gift. Let me walk you through this now. God is at work in the world, basic principle. God's at work in the world. I know sometimes we wonder, you know, where is he? What's he doing? Why doesn't he work faster? Why doesn't he work where I am? You know, uh, what's God doing in the world? God is doing in the world what God's always been doing in the world. He's creating, he's sustaining, he's redeeming all things. And he will not stop. He's never stopped. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't take a vacation. He doesn't even go to sleep. He's always at work creating, sustaining, redeeming until one day all things are going to be made new, including me and you, you know? So God is always, always at work in the world. Now watch this. God is doing part of his work in the world through the work of our church. I'm so amazed by that. Y'all, if y'all don't know, this church is located in Woodburn, Kentucky, and that's where I'm from, so I'm not making fun. This is an awesome place, but there are people like on the other end of Warren County that don't know where Woodburn is. Like, this ain't much of a place. I mean, no offense, Woodburn. I mean, you know. Um, we're a church that is basically a church in a cornfield. Unless it's a bean field. <laughs> I didn't look on the way in, y'all. <laughs> What's out there? Beans? Is it corn? Corn and beans. <laughs> yes. Y'all, we're a church... In a cornfield, and there are people in Warren County who don't even know we're out here, and then there are people that live in the shadow of our steeple, and they don't even know what we do in here. It's kind of no place special. I mean, honestly, we're, we're, we're just a, a small church in a small place, but God knows exactly who we are. And God knows where we are, and God knows how to empower us and how to call us, and God knows how to send us out. You know, the, the fact that, you know, we're sitting right here in the church in the cornfield, but, but we really do have a feeding program in Mirabali, Haiti. Do you understand? Do you know that? Do you remember all of that? That there are children that will probably, all, most of us will never meet, will never know their names, but they will grow up and they'll go to school and they'll eat three meals a day because of us, a church in a cornfield or our church plant in Berlin, Germany. Berlin is one of the most atheistic cities in all of the world, and we have church partners there, Turkey. Indonesia, Philippines, Seattle, Washington. I just find all of this amazing. Understanding God is doing part of his work in the world through the work of our church. And, and it's not just all those other places. It's Woodburn. God, God certainly, if he's going to do all this work in all the world, and he puts us here, certainly intends for us to take care of Woodburn. I mean, I, I think that we should see... You know, our community, the 10-mile radius around us at least, you know, that, 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 like, that, that's got to be our responsibility. And if there are children, you know, that, that live right across the street in that trailer park and, and they don't know Jesus, don't you think that's our problem? Think that's our responsibility? At least to walk across the street and see that they've been invited? God is doing part of his work in the world through the work of our church. And here we go, long sentence time. And I apologize. I looked at that, thought that's way too long. Ain't nobody going to read that whole sentence. But I tried to cut words, and I can't. 
So here we go. Because you are a part of this church, God intends that part of his work in the world through this church is going to be done by you. Now, if you're wondering, I think the key word in all this is you, but I don't know how to cut all those other words and say what needs to be said here. Because you're a part of this church, God intends that part of his work in the world through this church is going to be done by you. There are no extra people around here. It's not like we got the staff and then everybody else. No, 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 no. God doesn't look down at Woodburn and see staff and everybody else. God doesn't look down at Woodburn and and, and think, man, I'm going to throw some extra people down there. No, God has sent us exactly the people we need to do what he wants us to do. No extra people, which means it's not like some of us can sit it out. Like some of us could quiet quit, you know, or some of us could just sort of sit back and watch everybody else serve the Lord. There are no spectators. We don't have any extra people. We're the body of Christ. Paul describes it like the parts of your own body. I mean, you got 10 fingers, but which one would you like to give up? I like to keep them all. I don't have any extra fingers. I don't have anything extra on my body. I mean, I don't really know what my appendix does. But one day it could blow up and kill me. I mean, you know, obviously it's important. God has given us exactly the parts of the body, and the body's an amazing thing, and the church is an amazing thing. And he's given us exactly the parts that we need, and there aren't any extra parts. We've got work to do. So let's talk about that. Uh, we used to always have our purpose statement on the front of the bulletin, but COVID killed the bulletin, and I don't really mind, because y'all just left them in the pews anyway. Um, but, but, but here we go. This is our church purpose statement. You'll hear us say it every now and then, but I really want you to dig into this with me. Woodburn Baptist Church is a family of Christians that loves and welcomes everyone, shares the gospel of Jesus Christ, and serves God three ways, through worship, teaching, and everyday acts of service. Let's break it down. Woodburn Baptist Church is a family of Christians that loves, loves. I've been preaching a lot about this lately. I don't want to stop and preach it today. Do I need to? Y'all know, I mean, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth with all the spiritual gifts. They got all the spiritual gifts. They got spiritual gifts we haven't even heard of. They're speaking in tongues. They're working miracles. But Paul takes a special moment to say, listen, I don't care about any of that. If you can't love people, none of that matters. Care how many words of prophecy or words in tongues, or don't care how many people you know that, that you touch with amazing power and miracles, signs and wonders. None of that matters. If you can't love people, you know, Woodburn Baptist Church is a family of Christians that loves and welcomes everyone. Welcomes everyone. That's more than just, you know, welcoming people when they walk in the doors of worship or saying, you know, how do you do to people online? It's, it's more than just that, but it's not less than that. And sometimes just doing that is a very, very important thing. Y'all have heard me say, if somebody walks in that door and they're not a believer or they're not a regular churchgoer, I'm telling you, you got to remember before you went to church every Sunday, people who don't go to church, they don't just wake up one Sunday and decide to go for fun. Something brings people. If if they don't know the Lord, if they don't regularly go to church, if they walk in that door as a visitor, it's a very, very big deal for them. They're looking for something. They're hoping to find it here. And you don't know what it is. You don't know where they come from. But you better believe that the Lord Jesus wants them to be loved and welcomed. Because that is his love and welcome that needs to be extended. It's his love and not ours. It's his love and welcome. So you have to do that. When a visitor walks in, they, they can't stand there and think, oh my goodness, you know, I, I think I sat down in somebody's pew. Okay, can I just say for the common good, nobody has a pew. 
We don't have any saved seats. I know some of you, you've been in that seat for like 30 years. And I know, I know. Because when you're gone, like on Tuesday, I can walk by and I can see the perfect imprint of your behind in the memory foam. Like you sat there so long, like I can say that's where she sits. I mean, I can see it. But just because you've worn out, you've wallowed out of place there, that does not make that your pew. Say, Pastor Tim, I'll sit wherever, but I got to sit on the end. No, you don't. Nobody has ever fallen over, you know, in church because they weren't on the pew end. If visitors come in, scoot yourself down. Don't make them climb across you. What are you thinking? That would be like if I come to your house as a guest and you're all stretched out on the couch with your feet up and and you don't like move your feet and let me sit down. I mean, it's that kind of rudeness. So don't make it hard for people to come in here and join us in worship. My goodness, love and welcome everyone. And when I say everyone, we mean everyone. Can I just make it perfectly clear? I mean, sinners are welcome. And I don't care what kind of sin it is you're bringing. I mean, if sinners weren't welcome, we'd all just have to walk on out. We're all sinners. Sinners are welcome. Absolutely. Woodburn Baptist Church is a family of Christians that loves and welcomes everyone, shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the purpose right there. That's it. Everything else we do is for this. Now, again, if we don't love and welcome them, then we'll never get to share the gospel of Jesus with them because they'll leave before we get to talk about Jesus. It's all about this. It's all about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our church has been busy this year. We've had senior adult potlucks every month. We've had youth camp and youth retreat. Kids went to camp. I mean, we had VBS. We had all kinds of stuff. We had bouncy houses out here and all, all kinds of stuff. It's been a great year, but let me tell you one thing. The only thing to celebrate is the fact that we've seen 23 people become new believers in Christ. 23 people. That's great. Our mission one goal for this year was 18, and we passed that in August. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That, that's a great number. But y'all know what I'm thinking, right? I mean, y'all know me. There are 700 of us. So 700 people, all of us given the same commission to go and tell people about Jesus. So that's, that's what all of us are supposed to be doing. And, and it took 700 of us 12 months to win 23. I celebrate that, but I can't in my heart believe that that is all of us putting everything we've got into the only job we've been given. We're a family of Christians that loves and welcomes everyone and shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're not that, we're nothing. We'll go on. Shares the gospel of Jesus Christ and serves God three ways. Serves God through worship, through, through teaching, teaching, the great commission, go ye therefore in all the world and make disciples. What's a disciple? Church member? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, a convert? Mm, kind of. Not, not, yeah, that's hard. That's complicated. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. What's a disciple? A, a learner, a student. Yeah, so we are all lifelong learners, and so part of serving God together means we got to do a whole lot of teaching and a whole lot of learning around here. We need all kinds of teachers. Some of you are very gifted in teaching. Some of you have developed that gift through actually just taking a class and learning to teach. Um, 
We serve God through worship, through teaching, and then my favorite, everyday acts of service. I love that. If we really are a people that love and welcome everybody, then in this little small community we live in, um, they should have stories about us all the time. The, the community should be buzzing about the ways in which Woodburn Baptist Church has shown love and joy and brought Jesus you know, to, to the community. I mean, you know, I mean, they just live right there, you all. If, if, if all of us together can't make any impact, you know, in the people that live just like right out there, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Everyday acts of service. That, that means like when you're not here in the church on Sunday, it means most of what we're doing in the kingdom work is not going to be done here in this house. It's going to be done elsewhere. I don't want you to take this book and then take 12 jobs around here, and then you're so busy at church that you don't have time to cross the street and meet your neighbors and tell them about Jesus. Understand it's in that most everything that happens is outside of here. It's everyday acts of service. So understand, God has brought every one of us together because the work he has for us requires every one of us working together. No extra people. No spectators. So I've entitled my sermon today, Phantom Limbs. You ever heard that phrase? Phantom Limbs. It's a term that comes from the medical field, uh, biology, uh, physiology. Um, it has to do with the way the body recovers after it loses one of its members, one of its parts. So phantom limb syndrome is something that is often experienced by Say uh, a veteran who in, in battle lost a, a leg or an arm, a, a limb. Um, here's what happens. The brain and the central nervous system can never really adjust to that loss. And so your brain and your nervous system will continue to give you signals like that limb is still there. It's called a phantom limb. In other words, uh, one lady in particular that lost her arm to cancer could continue to feel that arm. She would find herself like counting with her fingers, you know, and the fingers weren't there. She said that when she would walk, she could feel that arm swinging beside her. The arm was gone, but her brain continued to give her signals as if it were there. The brain just could never fathom the loss of that arm. Amazing. Another lady said that, again, had lost an arm, and that arm would get so cold. <laughs> again, it was gone. It was her phantom limb that she was continuing to feel sensations from. It's just such an amazing thing. And You see where I go with that? I just wonder in the body of Christ, what is experienced when one of the members is lost or when one of the members um, goes numb, goes silent, goes inactive? According to everything that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if if even one of us decides to sit it out, we feel that. Like, like the whole church feels that. that. That affects the church. I mean, you think it's not a big deal that you haven't found a place to serve, you know, but honestly, as long as you're not serving, you can't grow individually, but this body, this church is crippled. There's going to be some things that we can't accomplish because because you're not there. Your, your phantom is not going to get the work of the Lord done. Understand what I'm saying? 
In the same way that we suffer when one of us suffers and we rejoice when one of us rejoices, I think when we lose a member or when a member doesn't show up, I think that the body feels that. I think that the body is crippled by that. They're just simply things that God can never do in our church. Although it's his intention to use us, he can't do it as long as you won't obey, as long as you won't listen and serve. So I'm handing you a book today. Uh, if nothing else, will you pray through it and ask God to raise up people? Uh, it could be that one of these needs will have your name beside it. Not literally, but you'll begin to recognize a calling. Uh, we need you to serve, but just as importantly, you, you need to serve. Uh, you can't grow if you don't serve. Uh, pray with me. Lord God, it is... Uh, humbling and amazing that you even know where our church is, Lord. There are people in Warren County who don't know where our church is. There, there are people in Woodburn who don't even know what we do in here. And yet, Lord, to imagine that you have already chosen Woodburn to do some part of your work in the world, God, that is humbling and amazing. God, I pray that all of your purposes for this church will be fulfilled, Lord. Whatever you want to do, in whatever way, Lord, you can just set our hearts on fire. In whatever way, Lord, you can send us, we will go. Whatever you ask, Lord, whatever sacrifices we must make, Lord God, we just want to do your will. Lord, this church in the middle of a cornfield is more than that, Lord. We are men and women and young people, Lord, with gifts, with desires, with a passion, Lord, to see your, your gospel spread throughout the earth. So, Lord Jesus, use us. Lord, some of us right now may sort of need a tap on the shoulder, but Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you to tap us on the shoulder. Some of us, Lord, may be as busy as busy can be, but Lord, we've yet to find that, that specific job, that specific function that you've created us to fulfill in the body. Lord, I just pray that you'll help us all to find our place, to find our job in the Spirit. Help us to work together. A lot of things we could do otherwise, Lord. We could just have great Sundays. We could keep up a building for years and years and years. We could mow this grass. We could teach our own children, Lord. But uh, if we don't manage to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world, Lord, we've wasted our lives. Lord, you've given us so much. Help us not to waste it. Lord Jesus, today we offer you ourselves. Use us together. For the sake of the world, in Jesus' name, amen.